0: Amen! Wow, <laughs> we just had church already, y'all. I was uh, telling them I got to be here during rehearsal, and um, it was it was just as good then. And I. I, I, I I had to pace myself because I was going to use all my energy in worship. I have nothing left for you all, but that, that blessed me. That blessed me. So welcome, everybody. So glad to have you here. My name is Raf. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, welcome to everybody online. Thank you again for choosing to worship with us this morning. Um, I, uh, I, read, uh, I read something recently, an article about... Uh, People, some people experiencing this was maybe a month or so ago, but people starting to experience uh, nostalgia for for like the beginning of the pandemic like nostalgia from like early on in the pandemic. So like maybe like being home watching Tiger King or playing board games with the family, like all those, those things. And, and, uh, and I had the thought this week when I was waiting in line for gas for 45 minutes, uh, what I was feeling was not nostalgia at all, but, but PTSD from the beginning of the pandemic, like from the great toilet paper wars of 2020, I just started like twitching, you know, like no, no, no nostalgia at all, right? Which isn't to say there weren't some times that were uh, I can look back on now and laugh about or, or that were funny. For instance, um, there was one time early on when we were doing uh, school at home and my, my daughter Gigi was uh, in her first grade classroom with her, her teacher and they must have been whatever, the teacher asked them about their day or what was going on and, and, and Gigi chimes in and she, I hear her say... Well, I just feel bad for my my little brother. And the teacher says, why? And she's like, well, because he just watches TV all day. But Daddy says it's okay since Daniel the Tiger is educational. And I'm just like, mute that. Mute that for a second. Don't be telling everyone our business. What is wrong with you, girls? So, you know, that made me laugh. There's another instance where um, this is the heat of the, the pandemic. We're working at home. We're doing, we had the, the great idea, which it did work out great for our girls, but we did like a little pod at home at our house with some other kids who were doing uh, online school. We invited them. They would come over. So there were five girls in total doing school at our house, including ours every every day. And it was great for them to socialize and all that, but not great for, uh, uh, as great for my wife and I who are working from home. And so this, this particular day, my wife is is uh, you know doing her trying to do her job building a website she's also taking an online course at the same time for for real estate her real estate class and and uh, I'm trying to get stuff done and I happened to this was like one of the I don't know if you guys remember way back when but when you got to leave the house like I had to I had a meeting and I had to leave the house which was like a blessing during the season but I, I come back and and my wife uh, I don't know all the details of what happened but but the kids lost their minds all at the same time while she's trying to get her stuff done and it was just a the height of stressful, crazy times, and, and my oldest daughter Narai, She, when, when emotions get heightened, her the way she communicates is by drawing pictures and writing like letters. Like, she'll write you a note, she won't tell you how she feels, right? So, so this is all this is going on. I, I come home from my meeting and I get this note from, uh, from, my, from my daughter Narai. Everything is crazy. Please help us. It is a big mess, and mom will not look at it or help us, please. <laughs> As you show, all the sparkles and everything is actually glitter. It was, they got into the craft closet, and it was like a glitter bomb exploded in the house, okay? And then they tried to clean it themselves by getting baby wipes, right? And just wipe. So now they're like wet glitter all over the place, which is impossible to clean. And it's just a, a nightmare. And I'm like, what am I walking into? And my poor wife is like, you're telling me? And I'm just like, wow, this is the pandemic life right here. Like, this is it. No nostalgia whatsoever for that, okay? Okay. Um, but but you know the, the the truth is that was a season of life, man. Where uh, um, and I know I'm not telling y'all anything different because you you uh, every, we all felt it. But man, I struggled. I struggled emotionally. And, and, and spiritually and physically, just the whole, the whole deal, man, it was, it, was, it was a struggle, just that lifestyle. By the time we were done with the, the kids' school and, and trying to do our work and getting everyone fed and bathed and all the normal stuff that you have to do only in this confined space, and by the time the kids get to bed and we get back to work and finish what we didn't get to do earlier on, it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Everyone's finally asleep. I've, I've done my work, and now I'm just like, oh, I feel like I can breathe. But now it's like this is... I finally have some time, like a little block of time, space, for me. This is my, my time. And so I will turn on the TV, watch whatever show, right, I just, I'll just start binging television. But I'm also wound up, like, I can't sleep until 1.32 a.m., right, it'd be one thing if this was one or two nights a week, but it, was, it started to become a pattern every night. This is my new life, right, 11 o'clock, everyone's asleep, turn on the TV. I need to check out, veg out, decompress whatever word you want to use, but this was my this was my time, and it started to become um, I would look forward to it, but it started to become really unhealthy, and that I would wake up the next day and be extra tired, extra grumpy, less patience to deal with all the stuff that's happening. I, I had less time to spend in God's word to the point where I was doing it, but it was to check off the list of the box, right? I read my little verse and, and prayed for a couple minutes and like, all right, I did that, God, we spend our time together. And then it's back to the races, right? Of this, this crazy lifestyle over and over and over again. I'm, I'm eating, uh, not well, <laughs> just eating junk. I haven't worked out in months, right? And just spent physically, emotionally, it's wearing on me and it's wearing on my kids and my family and this whole, this lifestyle. And that's where I was, I, I, I opened up to Matthew chapter four, verses one to 11, the temptation of Jesus. And, and, and that's where God really, he met me there. He grabbed hold of me through that, that scripture. And it was, wasn't the first time. I had to read it a few times, but, but, but eventually he started speaking to me through it. And, 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 and he met me there. And what he, what, what I was convicted of was it wasn't, because um, I was justifying in my head, man, I'm, nothing I'm doing is sinning. It's not sinful, these things I'm doing, it's like, I, and, and it wasn't, right? But, but what God showed me was, well, the sin is, is you, know, you know what you should be doing and you're not doing that. Right, and, and I know, I knew full well, if I would just go to bed a little bit earlier, get up a little bit earlier, spend some good time with God, he would fill me up. He would meet me there and prepare me for everything else that was coming that day and the next day and the next day. But, but in the moment when I had that decision to make, I was like, nah, you know, I think I'm going to do this. I, I choose this. And, and rather than focusing on any of these specific temptations, right, staying up late, binging TV, eating junk food, not working out, uh, not, not, not... Um, but just putting off my time with, with God, right? Which we're all connected. It was like a domino effect, okay? But what God really convicted me of was the need to address the root issue. The, the thing underneath that, the real temptation underneath all of those, which was my desire to choose me. My desire to choose me. I want, I want to be in control of my life, I want to be in control of my, my decisions. I want the power. I want the authority. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And, and, and I want to do things my way in my own time. And so if I'm, if I'm really being honest, the biggest temptation I face every day and the one that I've, I've given into more often than I'd like to admit in the last year, over the course of the last year, is, is to choose my will over God's will the temptation to choose my will over over God's will, right? And and if every temptation really is an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus, that's what we've been talking about these past couple weeks, that's that's the heart of this series. Every temptation is an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus. And you cannot, cannot overcome temptation without complete dependence on God. If I really believe those two things, if they're true, and I believe that they are, Well, what that means is is that we need to trust, I need to trust that what God wants for me is even greater than what I want for myself. That his will truly is greater than my own. That's the kind of trust Jesus is calling us to. That's the kind of trust, that's the kind of relationship that he invites us into. And I think that's what he's trying to teach us through, through this encounter, through his own temptation experience in the wilderness from Matthew chapter 4. So, Let's dive into that. Again, Matthew 4, starting in verse 1. I'm just going to recap the first couple temptations, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll we'll kind of focus in on verse 8 uh, for this third temptation account. So starting in verse 1, Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the enemy comes, tempts Jesus. He he falls back on the word of God, uses it as a weapon, withstands that temptation. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so now the enemy tries to take God's word and throws it back in Jesus' face. Jesus falls back on God's word. Again, because of the relationship with God, he's able to discern right, what's true and what's not from, from God's word. And so that brings us to verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Okay, this implies a vision here instead of an actual event. Right? There's no there's no mountain in the world high enough that that you could physically stand on and see all the kingdoms of of the world. And so so uh, Satan shows Jesus a visual representation of all the kingdoms uh, of the world and their glory and their splendor. So so whether it's it's a dream or some kind of supernatural uh, vision of some sort, that's that's what we're talking about here. Okay, in verse eight, verse verse nine. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. All this I will, I will give you, it's yours, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, the first time I read this, I had a really hard time understanding what the real temptation was for Jesus here. Like, it, it makes sense for you and me, right? Don't, don't get me wrong. The allure of the world and everything in it, what that, what that means, the material things, shiny new toys, security, safety, success, influence, power, authority, all of these, these are the things we strive for in life, right? So, so it would make sense that the enemy tempts us with those things. And I can see why he would why he would come after us in that way. But Jesus, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm buying that. I don't know if I'm buying Jesus is gonna fall into this. Because again, this is this is there's no way Jesus would be tempted by these things to the point where he would bow down and worship Satan. Right? This is the same guy who had, hadn't eaten a thing in, in 40 days and still didn't give in to the temptation to provide food for himself, although he had the power to do so, right? Be, because apparently he was so in tune with the Father that, that he was able to say, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Right? He, he withstood the temptation to give in to the pride of life and, and force God into proving his love for him by, by, by clinging to God's word. He said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so why now would Jesus be tempted by by the offer of the kingdom of all the world in its its splendor? Again, it makes sense for us, but but, but why would Jesus be tempted by these things? Right, until you consider the context of all three of these temptations and what it is that Satan is really offering. Okay, ultimately all three of these temptations come down to, to one thing. How is Jesus going to use his power as the son of God, to to win back humanity without the cross. Satan knew what Jesus wanted more than anything else, and that was us. It was us. It was humanity, mankind, God's God's children, all of us, you and me. That's what Jesus wanted more than anything. Satan knows this, so he tempts Jesus. Hey, provide for yourself miraculously. Provide for them, and they'll love you for it. Wow them. By by putting on a, a display, by, by, by show them all your power and your glory, show them how special you are to God, and they'll come, they'll come flocking to you. And when that didn't work, when Jesus refused, Satan said, okay, how about I just hand them over to you? You can have them on a silver platter. Just, just worship me. Just worship me. Essentially, this vision was an invitation for Jesus to take a shortcut around the cross. Jesus came here to win all the kingdoms of the world and their glory back from from Satan's domain. That was his mission. That's why he came. And now here's Satan offering Jesus that very thing, his heart's desire. And he could do it without going to the cross, without the pain, without the suffering. He could do it right now. He wouldn't even have to wait any longer. If only he'll just bow down and worship Satan. So we can take a couple of things from this, right? Evidently, Satan has at least some authority over the world. Remember, Jesus was tempted in every way, right? We, we read in Matthew 4, 15, he was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. So this temptation had to be real, right? But in order for it to be real, the only way it could be is if there is some sense, at least some sense, that, that Satan really does possess all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, Remember last week, we talked about the parallels between Adam and Eve uh, in the garden, their temptation experience, and and Jesus in the desert, okay? And when when Adam and Eve gave in to Satan's temptation and ate the forbidden fruit, they chose to put their trust in themselves instead of in God. And in doing so, they inadvertently handed over their authority to Satan. And we see it in Genesis chapter 1, towards the end of the creation account, God gives Adam and Eve the earth and everything in it as a stewardship. He says, here's the, the, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the beasts of the land and the vegetation. It's all, it's all yours. Be fruitful and multiply. God looked at it and said it was good. It was very good. And he put them in charge of it. Said, you have domain. You have authority over this. Okay? And then at the, at the fall, when, when Adam and Eve lost their battle with temptation, when they chose sin over obedience, when they chose their will instead of God's will, they turn that authority over to Satan. Now, of course, ultimately, God is the one who's still in control, right? Uh, we, God is the creator and sustainer of the world, and ultimately the world still belongs to him, right? But say, the scripture does refer to Satan, okay, on multiple occasions as the ruler of this world, the little g, God of this world, which implies that, that, that God does allow Satan to function in that capacity, at least on some level, for, for a purpose. Well, what could that be, right? I, I would argue it's choice, right? The same thing it was in the beginning. God wanted Adam and Eve to choose him. He, we love because he first loved us, okay? He loved them and he wanted them to love him, but love is not love if there is no choice involved. And so he gave them a choice. And, and, and we see that that's the story of man all throughout history from, from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through the end of, of the New, okay? Um, so, so God wants us to, to choose him. Listen, the exact extent of Satan's influence and ownership and free will in the world is uncertain. But scripture is very clear that the enemy is real, that he's evil, that he's extremely deceptive and he is powerful, but he's not God. He's not God and he does not have the ultimate authority in the world. So back to this temptation account, Luke um, Luke tells this same account, but he goes into a little bit more detail. And so in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 6, okay, this is the enemy talking to Satan. Again, I mean, excuse, yeah, Satan talking to Jesus, okay, offering him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, to you, I will give all this authority in their glory. To you, I will give all this authority in their glory, for it has been delivered to me. For it has been delivered. Delivered to me, says, I have this power and I will give it to you, but it's, it's been given to me. Given to him by whom? By God. By God, right? In his sovereignty, God considered it wise as part of the, the, the curse of the world after the fall of Adam and Eve to give Satan significant power in this world. But Satan does not have ultimate power. God does. We have to remember that, right? It's not God and Satan battling it out for who has power over the universe. No, God is God. Right, He's the ultimate authority, not Satan, and all of Satan's power is by permission. He has no autonomy, no authority to do anything that God does not permit him to do for his infinitely wise purposes. Okay? Now, that's hard for us to swallow sometimes. Because I don't, I, right, the, the next obvious question is why would God permit that? Why would God permit Satan to have any authority in the world? And, and, and the, re- the reality is I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had a better answer than that. I do know, I do know that, that faith is, is the, the assurance of the things that we hope for and confidence in the things that we have not seen yet, right? I do know that as a believer in Christ, we, we will get a lot of answers, but there's going to come a point in every relationship with Jesus for all of us where you come to that moment where you have to believe without seeing, well, you have to trust without the, without the answers, right? And, and, and so, so that's, what, that's what I think we need to step into. Here's what else I know, okay? Here's what I know about Satan, okay? This is true. Satan always over-promises and under-delivers. Always. Over-promises and under-delivers, right? That's, that's what he's doing with Jesus here. That's how he will approach you and I as well in our, in our daily lives. That's how he comes at us with temptation. Overpromise, promise under deliver. For example, I'll just give you a few. Maybe this hit home for some of you, maybe, maybe they don't, right? Uh, fast food regrets. <laughs> this is, if you ever, we'll start kind of lower level, right? Have you ever been driving down, you know, the road and, and you know, your stomach's rumbling, you're getting hungry, and the only thing within, like, eyes view is McDonald's. And instantly you're like, well, like, for me, personally, I'm like, ah, oh, that's probably not going to go well. I don't want McDonald's as I'm pulling into the drive right? <laughs> it's like, have that moment, right? And then it's like, no, but you justify it, right? Oh, man, you deserve it. You've earned it. Them fries are so good. Treat yourself, right? Treat yourself. It's not what, maybe 30 minutes, two hours. I'll give you to the next morning where you regret that, right? If it's not instant, it is a regret, right? He didn't tell you that at the time. Maybe, maybe it's the second glass or the third glass of wine. It's Like, man, don't, you'll, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. You'll feel better, Escape a little bit. Let your problems drift away. It's, it's, it's no big deal until the next morning when you got a, you got a headache and you're late for work. Maybe it's, maybe it's the media you consume, right? It doesn't have to be porn, but maybe it is. Or maybe it's just a movie that has some, some, some dark themes you don't need to be watching before you go to bed, or, or some scenes that, that you don't need to be consuming and letting seep into your heart. And in the moment, it's, oh man, it's just... I'm letting off a little steam. I'm escaping a little bit. I need, I need some escape. It's not, I'm not hurting anybody until, until the, the following evening when, when, when you're in bed with your spouse and when all of your attention and your focus and your heart's desire should be on them and you've got another vision in your head. Maybe let me talk to my workaholic brothers and sisters. Right? It's, it's the allure of, of the bigger house, the promotion the, 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 the family vacation, whatever it is that we're trying to attain, the strive for, right? And the enemy says, man, once you, if you can just get here, once you do this, right, just keep pushing a little bit harder, then you'll finally arrive and then you'll have satisfaction and then you'll be fulfilled. But what he doesn't say is you won't see your kids for weeks and your marriage is going to be falling apart. He always over promises and under delivers. Don't be deceived, don't be deceived, Satan always over promises and under delivers, that's his MO and that's what he's doing with Jesus here. I'll, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. First of all, they were never really his to give. Second of all, notice he shows them the glory and the splendor but none of the sin. I'll give you all the power and the authority, all the glory, what authority does he really have to offer Jesus? And Jesus knows this. He knows as Deep down inside, he knows that he who is in him is greater than he who is in the world. And because he knows that, it enables him to respond confidently. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When tempted by Satan to, to avoid the cross and try to win back the world another way, Jesus replied with scripture once again, this time quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, which says, Fear the Lord your God. Worship him and, and take your oaths in his name. Now, fear the Lord your God And here. That, that fear isn't, man, be scared of God. It's, 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 have the, have, it's, it's awe. It's reverence. The appropriate amount of reverence and respect for, for just how big and how mighty and how powerful and how amazing and how loving and how graceful God is. Fear the Lord in that, wow, you are wowed by him. Fear the Lord your God. Satan says, man, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus replies again, based on God's word, that there is only one who is worthy of our worship. He says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fear the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord and, and him alone. No matter what, I'm sure it must have seemed attractive Jesus to avoid the cross. Again, that temptation was was real. I'm not minimizing that at all. But rather than give in to it, Jesus affirmed to himself and reminded Satan that the command to worship the Lord your God and serve him only is far above anything else Satan or the world could ever offer you. What really stands out to me here in verse 10 after this third temptation is the confidence in Jesus's response. Again, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, away from me, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In my mind, I can, I can picture Jesus progressively getting stronger. Like when I read scripture, if ever possible, if I can, I try to like picture it on the movie of my, my mind, right, on the screen of my mind, and I just, I can see Jesus progressively getting stronger with each temptation here until he finally gets to the point where he can confidently stand toe to toe with the enemy. Look him face to face. Say, away from me, Satan. Get out of here. I ain't buying it. I want you to see it. I want you to see that progression, okay? First temptation. Jesus is at his weakest point. He's starving. He's tired. He's, he's weak. The enemy comes in and tempts him to try and, and sneak around God's plan and provide food for himself supernaturally, right? And I can just feel Jesus, clinging to God's word in this moment when he says, man doesn't, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every, every word out of the mouth of the Lord. And it's as if he's, he's, he's saying, yeah, I'm starving to death. I know it. I know I need food to live. And I picture him just weak and hungry. I know I need food to live. But I also know that if I eat today, I'm going to be hungry again tomorrow. But the only reason I have breath in my lungs, the only reason I am alive today is because of the word of God. So I choose him. I choose him. And then the enemy comes around a second time. Okay. All right. Physical temptation didn't work. I'm going to, I'm going to attack him spiritually. I'm going to get him to question his identity, start doubting his faith. I'm going to get him to question God's love for him to the point where he puts God to the test. And this time, this time I'll use God's word to do it. And Jesus fights this temptation again by relying on God's word. Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test, right? Only when Jesus said this, it wasn't just, Words to him, okay? When Jesus said this, he was clinging to the story that was connected to those words. So he says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And he's calling all the way back to, to, to God and his people, uh, the nation of Israel in the wilderness when they're starving, when they're thirsty, when they don't know what else to do. And God provided for them over and over again. And he says, That God is my God, the God who says, I'm with you, I've always been with you, I never left your side, I provided your every need, I created you. Don't doubt me, don't test me, I'm here. I." promise you. Jesus says, no, 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 that's my God. That's my God. And he's with me and he's in me. And it's as if you can, you can, you can see him. You can feel Jesus, the spirit of God, strengthening him. His faith is, is growing in the midst of temptation. He doubles down on God's word. I'm confident in my identity. I know who, I don't doubt God's love for me because we're in, I'm in relationship with God. I've experienced his love. So you know what? I choose him. I thank you for your offer, but I choose him. And he comes back. Third time. Physical temptation didn't work. Spiritual temptation fell short. But Satan isn't done yet. And so he decides to tempt Jesus emotionally. He wants to get Jesus in his feelings. And so he he says, you know all those people you love so much. You know, the world that you came to save, the world that God sent you here to save, to die for, what if I just give them to you? What if I just, what if I just handed them over to you? Again, no, no, no cross, no suffering. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And again, the temptation was real. But by this point, Jesus had gotten his second wind By this point, Jesus has, his faith has been built up. God's word has stirred up his faith and the spirit has strengthened him. He's been reminded of his relationship, the relationship that sustains him. And now he's ready for any attack the enemy might bring his way, which is evident in his response. Get away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Yes, the temptation is real, but so is God and he is greater. So I choose him. I'll serve him. I'll worship him and him alone. I, I truly believe that Jesus was worshiping when he said that. In the moment, he was, he was worshiping. He was worshiping. I think he started out just clinging to God's word for dear life. And God met him there. And that relationship gave him strength. It built him up. And now, now he's straight up worshiping God in the, in the face of his enemy, in the presence of his enemy, in the face of temptation. He's worshiping God with his life. Right? When I say that, I don't mean he's necessarily worshiping by singing a song, although I'd like to think he was. Right? Maybe he was. That's how I would do it. Right? But, but, but. We don't know either way. I, what I'm saying, though, is there's no doubt he's worshiping God with his life, with everything in him. In that moment in time, all Jesus had was worship, and he said, I choose to give it to you, God. Man. I remember about 10 years ago when uh, I, I moved to Kentucky uh, with my wife um, I just accepted Jesus in Boston. She got a job. We moved to Kentucky. Knew nobody. All we, had, we had her parents there. So my in-laws, um, my, my, my mother-in-law had a friend from church uh, who, who knew a guy who did construction, and he agreed to, to, to give me a shot because to, to, you know, I needed a job, do some work for him. So this guy's name was Jeff Stutzman. Jeff comes to pick me up one day, first day of work. I never met him. He pulls up in his pickup truck. I open the front door. Right there on his front seat is a Bible and a handgun. <laughs> and I'm just like, welcome to Kentucky. <laughs> Here I am. What are we doing? <laughs> so <laughs> he, t- <laughs> he takes the gun and the Bible, throws it back. Like, Come on, get in, right? And so long story short, man, Jeff would become a really good friend of mine, man. He, he's, uh, he, he, Jeff, he was a simple man. He loved, he loved Jesus. He loved to hunt. He loved to work with his hands. Right, and he was just a just a good guy, just a good dude, man. And so he, I, I worked for him for a couple years doing construction, but there's one day, there's one story that just stands out to me because um, it's just a picture of, of of who he is, and I didn't even realize it at the time, and I look back at it now, and it was so, it's just, it was beautiful, but, but. But it was crazy, so so I'll just tell you the story. We're we're working one day, and, and I don't quite remember the details of the confrontation. But basically, there's a guy that we did a job for, right? A, a client who shows up to the job site, and and he's got a dispute over the bill or something, and he's you know gets in Jeff's face and just starts hooting and hollering. But I when I tell you, he was cussing him out like I'm not shy, like I've you know nothing I haven't heard. But this man was stringing together combinations of cuss words that I've never seen or heard in my life, right? Just straight up in his face, and they're like he's young. And and Jeff, you can just see him getting red and just angry and like clenching his fist. I'm like, oh, it's about to go down. Like everything in me thinks he's about to punch this dude in the face. And I'm just like this, right? And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Jeff just starts going. Hallelujah, Jesus, you're my savior. Jesus, I love you, Jesus, hallelujah. Like just shouting out random like Christian things. I think he breaks out into like a hymn that I'd never heard before, but he's just speaking to God at the top of his lungs, red-faced and angry, holding his fist, talking to God. And the other guy who like wanted to fight him at, in the beginning is now like, what is happening, <laughs> right? I was just like, I don't know, man. And he just turned around and left. And I thought, I came home and told my wife, like, it was so, I was laughing like y'all are. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like it, right? But God brought that story back to my mind today, and it's, because it really is to me, it's a, it's a beautiful picture of a man who, who, who loves Jesus and was clinging to him for dear life when he didn't know what else to do. I don't know what to do, but I want to serve you and I want to worship you and I want to love you. So I'm just going to do that because everything else in me, the enemy wants me to do all the other stuff that I'm feeling. And that's real. But I choose you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're my savior. Right. It was was beautiful. And that's how I picture Jesus in this moment. That's how I picture him in in this moment, just worshiping God with his life, using it as a weapon. It's the same sense that that the Apostle Paul was talking about when he described worship in, 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 in Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Give God everything, even when you feel like you have nothing. This is your true and proper worship. Choose him. When you feel great, choose him. When you feel low, choose him. Worship him with your life. It's more than a song. It's more than a song. It's it's, it's giving him everything. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern to the world. Y'all have seen it. We've lived it. We've been running that race, right? That pattern is from the enemy. It's how he wants us to live. Do not conform to that, Paul says, but be transformed. Transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. How do we transform our minds the same way Jesus did? By by digging into God's word, by clinging to it for dear life when we have to, by stepping into a real life spirit-led relationship with the living God so that he can build us up and, 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 and strengthen us and then worshiping him with everything we have that's how you become transformed. That's how you can learn the difference, be able to distinguish between my will, which I think is good, which definitely feels good in the moment, but then I regret it, and God's will, which is pleasing and perfect and way better and higher than mine. We can't know that in our own. On our own, we want to test it and say, well, I don't know. This kind of feels good. I, don't, I haven't seen God, right? But when you allow him to transform you through his word, when you, when you step into a relationship with him, things become clearer, and that gives you the strength to stand toe-to-toe with the enemy and say, no, I choose God. Amen. That's how Jesus overcame every temptation, and it's how we can too. In fact, it's the only way. It is the only way. You cannot overcome temptation without complete dependence on God. But if you grab hold of God's word, if you step into your relationship with him, a spirit-led relationship, and you worship him with your life, like Jesus did, the enemy will flee. The enemy will flee. Verse 11, Then the devil left him. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. The devil left, tail between his legs. I'm out of here. I got nothing for this man. I'm out. Victory. And then what happens next? Angels came and attended him. These are the the, the same angels that, that Jesus refused to call for illegitimately in the last temptation. When the enemy tempts him from Psalm 91, remember he said, he said, oh, just go ahead, jump. God will send. God says in his word, he promises he'll send his angels to protect you, to save you. Jesus said, no, right? I'm not putting my Lord to God to the test. Well, now here those angels come. It says to attend to Jesus. And in, in the Greek, attend is minister to, okay? And it's always associated with food. The angel showed up to feed Jesus and, and nurse him back to health. Here is God showing up and providing everything that the enemy had promised. It's a beautiful picture. He is faithful. God is faithful to Jesus right up until the very end, and he will be faithful to you. Man. Now, I, can't, I don't want to hold out on you guys. So, again, my man Luke gives a little bit more detail in his account of this temptation. And in, and in Luke 4, verse 13, it says the devil left him until an opportune time until an opportune time, which, which means he'll be back, right? He'll, he'll be back. We, we know that. We, we know that. Temptation is not a one-shot deal, but something that we will have to contend with again and again and again. But that's okay. Don't, don't be discouraged. Jesus, Jesus would face this temptation again, right? We talked about in week one. He faces it right up on the cross to his very last breath. They're saying, hey, save, don't, aren't you savior of the world? Aren't you the son of God? Don't you have the power to save yourself? Do it right now. Even worse than that, even harder than that, I think, for Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The last, this was the, the day he got arrested, knowing what was coming, knowing what was going to happen on the cross, right? Scripture says Jesus goes with his disciples to this garden to pray, and he tells them, hey, I am sorrowful unto death. The, the, the depth of pain and sadness and things that I'm feeling inside make me want to die right now. Luke says he was, he was crying tears of blood. And he, and he turns to God and says, Lord, if, if, if possible, if there's any way, please take this cup from me. Take this from me. The cross that the enemy was tempting him to try and skirt around. Now Jesus comes face to face with it. And he goes to God and says, God, is there any other way? I don't want to do this. Please. But then he lands on, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but but yours. How does Jesus, how did he do that? How does he have the presence of mind? How does he, how does he come so close to that temptation, feel all the weight of that pain and sin, and say, you know what, God, ultimately I, I trust you. He showed us in Matthew 4. It's through God's word, it's through that relationship, it's through his worship that he was able to follow through on God's plan. His plan, which is ultimately to go to the cross and and, and die pay the penalty for your sin and mine to truly be the savior of the world. He is our champion and his victory is now our victory. Don't be discouraged when you you face temptation because every temptation is an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus and his victory is your victory. Jesus had to fight this battle as a man armed with only the word of God the promise of a spirit-led relationship and just an innate desire to worship. And he succeeded. And because he succeeded, where, where, where Moses and Adam and every other man of God had failed before him, his victory is now our victory. All we have to do is choose it. Choose him. Choose him. And so that's, that's my prayer for each and every one of you today. No matter what that looks like, no matter where you are on your journey with him, I've been praying all week long that that God would meet you in this scripture like he met me and that you would be compelled by his love, by his grace, by his spirit to choose him right now, tomorrow, the day after that, and so on. Pray with me. Jesus, You truly are a champion. Thank you for, for the model you gave us. Thank you that you, you made it clear. It was you and the enemy in the desert, but yet you, you, you saw fit to make sure that this account was recorded so that your people would know. God, not just so that we would know how to fight temptation in our own lives, thank you for that, but also so that we, we would know you, you fought the ultimate temptation you faced the enemy down, uh, the biggest battle that, 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 that we could ever face. You paid the ultimate price, and because of that, we have freedom in you. We have victory in you. We have relationship with God the Father forever because of you, God. You, you bought it, and you paid for it. We're so grateful. I just pray right now for everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that, you would, that your spirit, God, that your word, God, supernaturally, that you would just compel us to choose you in every moment, even when we don't want to, when everything in us is screaming, I choose me, God. I pray you would, you would help us to choose you. Man, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Have a, a great, great week. Come back next week. We are going to be talking, we're going to spend a couple weeks talking about remembering, the power of remembering and what God wants to to do uh, in us through that, why he would call us to remember. So please come back next week. Bring your friend. We love you all. Have a great week.